Hi, and welcome to another broadcast of Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. And I trust that as we gather around the Word of God to learn the principles of God, we'll learn to love the person of God and become friends of God together. I love it when some of the Old Testament uh, believers and patriarchs called themselves or were referred to as the friend of God. I want to be God's good friend, his faithful friend, his loyal friend. So welcome to the broadcast, and we're going to continue our study in the book of the Revelation. We'll be in chapter 3, studying the church at Sardis. Let me give you a little background for the church at Sardis. Remember, this was Christ giving his message to seven literal local churches, part of a postal route in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. And we already looked at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira. And now we come to the church at Sardis. Remember, each one of these was a literal church, but it's also a picture of a church in history as far as Ephesus being the church up to AD 100. Smyrna was AD 100 to 300, the suffering church. Pergamus, the church that married the world, AD 300 to 500. Thyatira, the church of continual sacrifice and representing the dark ages of AD 500 to 1500. Now, as we look at Smyrna, excuse me, Sardis, as we look at Sardis, we will see that this was the church of the Reformation era, 1500 to 1700. And then, of course, Philadelphia, the Revival Church, 1700 to 1900. And then the final church is Laodicea, the church that we are living in today. There can be a mixture of a remnant like uh, Philadelphia, but for the most part, there are many that are just being lukewarm in their relationship to Jesus Christ. I'll play a little bit of a song today to kind of just touch our hearts. It's about singing of the goodness of God. God is so good, and the goodness of God will lead us to a life of repentance. Of the goodness of God. 
May that be our prayer today to sing every day of the goodness of God. We can focus on all the negative things that are happening, the things that are happening in our economy, the things that are happening in the news, the things that are happening in our life on a day-to-day basis. But let's do this. Let's think about and sing about and speak about the goodness of God. Every broadcast that we bring to you, most of them we bring before you a sponsor. That's somebody who backs our broadcast so that we can spread the gospel as far as we possibly can. And one of those individuals is my friend Mike Green, and he has a business called A Platinum Limousines. So if you've got a big occasion coming up or you just want to take your wife out to dinner fancy or maybe you're dating someone and you want to ask them to be your wife, whatever the case may be, then you need to call Mike and he's a great gentleman and a Christian and he will set you up for a beautiful night. His phone number is 410-796-7433. And so your next event, you will want to call Mike. We're talking about the church at Sardis in Revelation, the third chapter, verses one to six. Sardis was a city, as we shared with you, in modern-day Turkey, and it was 50 miles east of Smyrna. We learned about Smyrna, and about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. So these are churches that are not really far from one another. Of course, in those days, it um, they didn't have the automobiles and all like we have, so They were considerable distances. This is a very important city, very wealthy city, and it was right on an important trade route. This is also, at one time, there was an area called Lydia, and this was the capital city of that. And I fully believe that that's probably named after Uh, Lydia, the seller of purple, who brought the gospel from Thyatira, or it might be another historical figure. I do not know that, so um, don't hold me to that as the word of God. Very wealthy city, very important textile and dyeing district, as was Thyatira. Big jewelry trade went on there. But also they were involved, like many of the other cities, with pagan worship. All kinds of mystery cults and secret religious societies. And many of these are just fueled by demons. We know that. They are not congruent with the Holy Spirit. In fact, they're in opposition to the Holy Spirit. There was a magnificent temple of Artemis, or we call her Diana. And if you were to go to Sardis today, you would just see two large columns uh, that are about 16 feet high 
and 60 feet high, I'm sorry, and about six and a half feet around. And these are just the ruins of false temples to false idols. There was also a Christian building that was um, found by archaeologists, and it's just adjacent to this big temple. So we know that there was a core of believers that were there, but they were battling a lot of the world's and satanic influences. There was also the worship of the mother goddess Cybele. Um, there were all kinds of debasing orgies and things like that and feasts and festivals and all of that was part of the social life and the occupational life of the people that lived in those particular um, cities. And so as we look at the text of Revelation 3, remember Christ himself is speaking to each church. They're literal churches, they're literal spiritual conditions, and also they're eras of church history where we see a lot of similarities. But it says, unto the angel that was the minister, the pastor of the church, the called out assembly of Sardis, write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Now we know there is only one Holy Spirit, but the seven spirits is mentioned in Revelation, the first chapter again. Isaiah 11 verses 2 and following talk about the sevenfold nature of the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of wisdom, of knowledge, the spirit of the Lord. Look that up. Isaiah 11, 2. So it says in the seven stars, which were the pastors or the ministers. And we want to remind you that they were in the right hand of Jesus, which means that he is the one that holds them responsible and accountable to himself. So a leader that's out there today that's preaching some false gospel or not teaching the word of God is somebody that doesn't realize the real authority in their life should be Jesus Christ and, and quote, doing church the way he would have us to. For it is not our church, it belongs to him. For Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's the real church and there's the pseudo church. It says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Amazingly to this church, he doesn't give much of a commendation as he did to some of the other ones. But he says, I know your works. And you can go to a lot of churches where they are just busy about being busy, but about everything that is not as important as what God would have us to do, like teach the word, disciple other folks, win the loss to Christ. No, they're just um, like big carnivals, etc. 
So he says, I know your works and you have a name. So they had a name of perhaps influence, but he says, you have a name that thou livest and yet Christ says you're dead. Spiritually, there's no pulse there. How sad is it? One person called this church a morgue with a steeple. Another called it the church on a resuscitation machine. But in verses three, chapter three, verses two and three, our Lord says to those that may be just playing church, he's saying, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain. If you're in a spiritual condition that you find has drifted away from the core things God wants you to do, reading his words, studying his words, sharing your faith, being a disciple of Jesus, serving the Lord, then maybe it's time to stop watching the world so much and be watchful that the enemy is trying to steal your joy and steal, can't steal your salvation, but can steal your joy and your influence. So he says, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So the Lord is warning uh, some, he says, you're just already dead. And then to others, you're just, you're on a resuscitation machine and you're about to die. He says, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. But Lord, we're busy. But Lord, we have these money-making machinery set up. The Lord says, I haven't found your works perfect before God. And then like he did to the church at Ephesus, he says, remember, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. Go back to when you just got saved and how much you were a sponge that wanted to absorb the word of God. You wanted to learn everything there was about the Lord. And he says, what you've received and heard and hold fast. In other words, stop slipping. Hold on to that rope of hope. And he says, repent. You can always change your mind, your will, your heart, your direction, and begin to do the right thing again. So if the Holy Spirit is now convincing you and convicting you, not me, but the Holy Spirit through his word, then do that. Return to the Lord, do the first works, and repent. Change mind, will, and direction. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come upon thee as a thief, and thou shalt know what hour I will come upon thee. Our Lord said that if we weren't faithful to do what he called us to do, he would remove our candlestick out of his place. There was a historical problem that Sardis had faced twice. They were an area that geographically was surrounded by deep cliffs and just about impossible to scale. But oh, they were so proud that no one was able to reach them. And because of that attitude, they didn't watch the way they were supposed to. 
and the city fell twice, first in 549 to Cyrus, and then in 214 BC to um, Antiochus the Great. And so we are admonished as well that we want to receive our full reward. We don't want to be somebody that is um, not watching. We should be watching our own personal lives and then watching for the coming of the Lord. Verses four to six. Thou hast a few names in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. There's some of you listening right now and you're you're being faithful to the Lord. Maybe your denomination isn't, maybe your church isn't, but you are. And our Lord commends you for that. It says, they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. They'll have true fellowship with God Almighty. The white is representing victory, purity, the heavenly state, and the fact that we want to be priests of God. Remember, we're a kingdom of priests. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I here's a promise, a beautiful promise. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, as we close today, let me just tell you two thoughts regarding that blotting our name out. I do not believe that once you're a true child of God, you can lose your salvation. So this might be just saying, it's impossible. I won't blot your name out of the book of life if you are a genuine believer. Some also said that the book of life is the record of everyone who's ever lived. And when a person finally rejects Christ and will not turn to him, some say that that's when their name is taken out of the book of life and all that are left will be the true believers. So yes, these are strong words. And to you as a believer, they should encourage you to be faithful to Jesus till the end. And if maybe you're a religious person, but you're not a born again Christian, you haven't received Christ as your savior, now is the time. Pray with me. Dear Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin and I've come running to you as my Lord and my Savior and bless you for praying that prayer. If you're listening and you'd like to contact us for um, prayer, maybe you have a prayer need or you're someone that would like to be a sponsor with us, or you would like to underwrite us, please contact me at charisman, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-N, 1234 at gmail.com. This is Pastor Earl saying we love you.